everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of Casual Watch Talk. You're joined by Sam and Chris. Chris, how have you been? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Very good. Very good. It's been cold here and enjoying it and enjoying the enjoying so far of 2022. We're going to get this year off with a bang on the podcast. We've done a survey, so we're going to talk about those results soon. But why don't we kick kick off the new year with a wristwatch check? All right. Uh, for, I think, most of the new year, I've been wearing um, just my Bell & Ross GMT on the bracelet. Nice. Like I said, it's been cold out. That's kind of a typical thing. Um, and I don't know whether I'm uh, shrinking. So this bracelet has, has only a couple of micro-adjusts. And I haven't worn it in a really long time. And it's only just got the like little three-dot micro-adjust. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was like falling off my wrist for a week. And I was like, what is going on? And then I looked and I'm like, oh, I'm in the, oh, I'm in the middle. So apparently I'm, I'm shrinking. So, which is, I guess, good. <laughs> <laughs> Part of my to... New Year's resolution to just shrink. <laughs> is that like a public service announcement? Risk shrinkage. No, <laughs> right. Know the dangers. Right, yeah. Well, or or at least maybe it's an indicator that whatever, uh, yeah, whatever I'm doing health wise is working, or maybe not working. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's an my, indicator. My wrist definitely fluctuates with the heat. There's no doubt about it. That's why I love mm-hmm. that Christopher Ward bracelet because it's got that ratchet on it. I'm wearing the my Seiko Speed Timer. Still really liking it. I bought a Gas Gas Bones custom made velcro strap for it so if anybody's seen those gas gas bones straps he only he hand makes them and i don't think he hand stitches them he uses a machine for it but he he actually makes these custom straps and he only opens the store for i think it's like three or four days a month he gets such an influx of orders and then he spends the rest of the month making them he used to Mm. make really wide variety of them okay now he's pared it down to i think there's like four or five models he makes the classic if you own an omega speedmaster he makes one of the best versions of the pure velcro strap and he's got the oh, I see. stitched bad yeah and the, with well. a, yeah the, with all the nasa um uh like specimen indication <laughs> identification yeah <laughs> that's and, cool that's and cool. he's a metalwork fabricator as well so he can make like custom uh, he calls it the hop-up buckle, but you can make custom hardware for the strap. So there's multiple choices. They're very comfortable, very well made. I'll flash up some pictures here. The reason I bought it for this speed timer was to try and bulk, visually bulk it out a little bit as well. Mm. Because, you know, I was, I've was i always been a little... The only thing I don't like about it is I wish it was slightly bigger, but this strap certainly does that. So it certainly mm-hmm. bulks mm-hmm. it out a little bit. So it gives it that visual. Also, it's very comfortable i've never prolonged worn a velcro strap on a watch since i was i think when i was about 18 19 there yeah. was a, a a surf brand of watches called Animal. right i don't yeah. know if it was a uk thing or maybe it was over here as well yeah. they used to they they were famous for their velcro straps so we always used to yeah. buy those aftermarket i remember yeah i don't remember the brand but i definitely remember a surf brand whatever it was here you know roxy or whatever it was called you know back in the 80s and 90s that was a uh you know that was a a velcro strap yeah i've actually looked for them occasionally on on ebay you know because that's like a really nostalgia because they had quite a distinctive kind of patterns to them and things like that right yeah really liking this um so this is gas gas bone strap i know 
our friend Luke is working on a Velcro strap. Or I think he might have even oh, released yeah. it for his Frog Squad brand as well. Yeah, so yeah. Flush up yeah I saw some, saw some demo stuff that he was doing. That was kind of cool. Have you ever worn a Velcro strap on a watch? Um, Only for a test on the uh seiko turtle space turtle that i did oh yeah i actually found some like blue velcro and uh decided like oh i could probably like fabricate a, a sort of a simple strap for it and uh yeah tried it for a little bit i don't know you know just uh it's kind of like the velcro thing i don't it's different it's different it doesn't it doesn't uh <laughs> doesn't work for me but that's all right i remember those animal ones because at the time i worked in a pub and my job was clear the lines in a pub if anybody's worked in a bar you know what i mean but basically you clear through the beer lines at the night Mm -hmm. and it used Mm -hmm. to be just covered in beer and the watch straps they would only last about four or five months because they would just stink and you could never know right yeah never get those ones because they used a really cheap polyester those ones do not this gas gas bones ones yeah that's that's like uh uh, one time I had a buddy spill half a beer in the back of a car. He was like doing some like work on the speakers or something and spilled half a beer in the back of that car. Just burn it to the ground because that car smelled like beer forever. <laughs> Just like it's over. Well, this week we, Chris and I made a survey and thank you everyone who gave us feedback about the podcast because we will ask for occasional feedback in the Facebook group and things like that, but we actually laid it out what you what you guys really like about it, things that you want to change, what's the appropriate length, do you want us to do live streams and all of that, and we got a fantastic feedback. In fact, I'll leave the link in the description of this video as well if anybody else wants to give uh, any additional mm. feedback to us, and it's really going to shape it, the podcast this yeah, year. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, uh, some, I mean some cool takeaways, you know, Sam... Uh, Sam and I, we, we just do this for fun. Um, and we want, you know, we want to enjoy it, but, but there gets to be a little bit of the, like chasing the, chasing the algorithm and, and trying to get the catchy titles and stuff. And this longer form content, this, you know, stuff like longer stuff, podcasts, da, 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 da. Um, it doesn't, it's not going to do well for the TikTok. you know, 12 seconds of, you know, I mean, maybe we should just like, I don't know, like grab a watch and light it on fire or something like every, <laughs> every and just bury it in the middle of the episode, but um, stuff like that. So, so we're just, we're just trying to kind of figure out like, Hey, what's, you know, what's fun that, that we can enjoy talking about. And we definitely in, enjoy the, the discussions and the banter and you guys come up with some great topics and ideas. So if you have topics and ideas for the show, definitely drop them down in the comments, you know, hit us up on discord, hit us up on, on Facebook, get all the links down in the description. Yeah. And we really appreciate it. We don't normally, we don't normally ask this, but we would really appreciate if you, if you enjoy this video, hit that thumbs up. And if you enjoy the show in general, please subscribe. The thumbs up. I know all YouTubers say it, but it, it honestly, it really does help. It's yeah. YouTube classic is engagement. So mm-hmm. if you do enjoy it, then give us a thumbs up. You can also hit the dislike if you don't enjoy it. They actually don't display the dislike anymore, but we still yeah. see it. So we we'll still know see whether you like right. whether, whether we'll you still like be right. We'll try not to be grumpy about it, but we still see, it. <laughs> which is no, it's <laughs> it's fun. And I always I always like to say like if you learn anything, like if we you know, or if or if you just enjoyed the show, if it's just a good you know, you're on your commute or you're hanging out hanging out working on something and you just kind of have us in the background and uh 
you know, just take two seconds when you close the window to, to give us the thumbs up. That'd be great. Yeah. And you can give a thumbs up on Apple TV as well. I only worked that out the other day. If you press down oh, okay. on it, because I watch a load on Apple TV. If you press oh, yeah. Down, same with, um, yeah, same with same with Roku. There's the like Roku's got the little three dots on the left hand side of the video. So you, so you push up and then you get the little dots and then you can hit the thumbs up. And I definitely make sure to do that because I want to support other content creators as well. Yeah, and this isn't a new section that we're going to introduce. Tech Talk with no, Sam and Chris no, is yeah. not... Uh... <laughs> no. Yes, no. Or how to use your Roku is like, no, we're not doing that. That's not good. So, the, moving um, on. The Facebook group's going from from leaps and bounds. So, thanks for everyone sharing your pictures over. It's great to see some of the collections that people have got. And then, Chris, you wanted to do a little special shout-out for the Discord. Yeah, Discord has been going uh, great. We We have it now open to everyone. So... Um, it, you know, we did a little beta test, I want to say at the end of last year where we, where we had, had some, some people come in, um, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, you know, we've had in real person meets happen. We had a bunch of, a uh, bunch of folks, uh, meet up, uh, from, you know, from the channel in real life, which is, which is really cool. Um, and, uh, the, the conversation is always fluid and fun and we've got, you know, a couple places to talk about stuff and. And uh, yeah, it's really I I enjoy it. I enjoy uh, for those of for those of us, especially you know, um, a little more computer centric jobs, um, IT, etc., where we can just kind of keep a screen open and uh, get our daily watch fix. It's uh, it's enjoyable. Shall we kick it off with a hit or miss for the start of this year? I'm actually going slightly against our survey results because a lot of you, the survey results preferred us to speak about more of the affordable watches instead of the crazy expensive ones. But I, ju- I just couldn't help myself with this one. So this will be the last, maybe the last crazy expensive one that we go on about. But this, I mean, this was just huge news. And this was the new Omega Speedmaster that is going to be 81,000 US dollars. It's easy to dismiss that price as mm. being mm. A- outrageous. but I'll just I'll give it a little few minutes of a pitch here of of why why at least Omega are justifying the cost. First of all, is it's using this I'm gonna say Canopus Gold or Canopus Gold. I've probably mm-hmm. said that wrong. I've never heard it. Even Ho Dinky in their article here are trying to work out how to to spell it. Essentially, it's a gold alloy that Omega have made, which is 18 karat white gold with platinum, rhodium, and palladium. For our audio listeners, this looks like the classic Ed White version of the Speedmaster. It's got the yeah. the three two one movement, which was all the rage yesterday. Uh, yesterday, last year, which was the, of course, the movement that they recreated from those original original um moon watches and there's there's a couple of different variants they are with that movement a lot more expensive but this one is this one's a whole new height they they made one that was that was platinum last year that wasn't this price although i don't think it came with a bracelet but this is this is the new one the other little pitch that i'll give it give for it here chris before i get your opinion on it is the dial is onyx which oh jeez is it which is incredible i mean uh, an onyx that uh, if you've ever seen onyx that that the the just the the shimmer the black shine on it is incredible mm-hmm. so they've got this ultrasonic cnc machine they're saying and it's a a three-part dial that they're producing out of onyx i guess chris i'll get your 
opinion on this? Is this a little a, a step too far for uh, yeah. the Speedmaster? Woo. I mean, 81,000. So I find it very interesting. You described the the gold composition. Um, now, we, I have definitely made the joke before that, you know, it's sort of limited to natural resources. I mean, those three materials you mentioned, uh, palladium, platinum, rhodium, like that, this watch is limited to natural resources. Like in the solar electric battery world that we are getting into here in the 20s uh we are running out of those three things so it does it does seem uh somewhat ironic and i and i actually i was actually thinking i was thinking about this i was like watching a couple of uh, uh other youtube things that were talking about um you know running out of particular metals platinum wedding ring is what i have right so that I don't even want to look at the price of platinum because I think <laughs> I think I would be stunned because I know how much they were when we got married. But I mean, I can only imagine that now because of, like I said, because it's like industrial manufacturing is, is in short supply. We've got uh, platinums in catalytic converters. So we've got uh, kind of across the country here in the United States, we've got a rash of uh, folks uh, sawing catalytic converters out of Toyota Priuses to get the to get the money for them. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the side of uh, maybe yeah, bridge too far with this one, but uh, they certainly check the box of it is limited to natural resources. Yeah, and, and to be honest, even if it was solid platinum, I think a troy ounce of well, let's just have a look. Let me just look at an actual troy ounce of platinum, a platinum coin. Here we go. Here we go. So one troy ounce of 99. Yeah, it, that's right. Yeah, 974 a troy oh, ounce of okay. platinum. I, I imagine that at most there's three or four troy ounces maybe in the if you made the mm-hmm. entire thing a platinum. And also it also doesn't say what right. the... Um, what the i mean they would never say the percentages. yeah right right the mix yeah the 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 alloy the alloy mix you know who knows if it's like three percent of the of the material and so then it's like of actual weight point zero zero da 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 but uh another thing too is much like diamonds uh the industrial world the industrial uses for diamonds and the gemstones separated a long time ago so it wouldn't surprise me if uh metals kind of did the same thing where you know you know in order to drill through rocks in order to cut things you need diamonds on the cutting surface well they're not like you know they're not like mom's engagement ring diamonds they're they're uh uh you know they're 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 discolored their their hardness is you know controlled and a lot of them are manufactured now so yeah i guess maybe maybe it was so yeah, there's our metallurgical discussion for today. So thank you for coming on Metallurgical Watchdog. And we know. <laughs> well, this, and it's surprisingly, it's not limited edition, this. It's, I'm sure it's limited production, but it's not limited edition. I suppose, I suppose it's a hit if, you've, if you're the ultimate Omega collector. And the, mm. the only thing I'd say about it is that visually, it right. doesn't look that dissimilar from... Right, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the Onyx... The Onyx dial is cool, but like Omega's done some pretty cool dials, like step dials and surfaces and 
And so did they do, and they did, I think they did a, did they do the vintage loom on it too? No, they, they haven't, they haven't. Done oh, okay. It is that same situation with your platinum, you know, with your platinum where it's like, you know, until you, ha- someone hands it to you, you don't really know like, oh, this isn't, oh, this is a different, this is not, this is not stainless steel. This is, this is heavy duty. So it's like that, uh, you know, if you want to go for hidden wealth status. Then there you go. You're right. This is spot on stealth wealth, isn't it? Because yeah. Yeah. even if even if people recognized it as a speedmaster on your wrist, the few people that are going to recognize right. it, the majority are going to think it was the right. steel reproduction yeah. version a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. If they know what it is, like a dollar sign of, you know, around $5,000 is going to be in their head. Yeah, <laughs> not, not a dollar sign of Chris's used car. So, Sam, one of the things that I think when people get into watches or we get into this hobby, um, we maybe struggle with or question is buying pre-owned or buying new, getting a good deal, um, and 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 trying to find out like, you know, we we all want to we all want a deal. We all want the best thing for our money, and right now like most things the watch world is fraught with danger as far as pricing is concerned and uh as far as you know uh speculation um so i i don't think we should i don't think we'll get too into any sort of speculation but what i'd like to talk about is getting into your top watch maybe used or pre-owned and we can kind of go through and and talk about what some of the top picks that have maybe come out in the last couple of years and 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 shop and how you would shop for some of those. Yeah, I think this is an interesting topic especially if you're new into watches because there's 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 always that balance isn't there? There's you want to get a good deal on a watch and there's certainly some brands pre-owned that you get an amazing deal on. But then as well as you sort of coming into the hobby, you, there's it's a minefield, isn't it? You want to make sure that you're getting, a, especially a mechanical watch, you want to make sure that it, it works well. You want to make sure it's authentic, which, you know, some of the fakes that you see online, they look almost identical to the to the untrained eye, to the watch that they're a replica of. And then you've got the, the, the homage watches as well that are also mm-hmm. very similar. I saw a load of Doxa homage watches on, uh, chrono mm. 24 that that look identical and so there's this wow. whole like where is because uh, you're spending especially on some of the ones that i picked here very expensive aren't they so it's like mm-hmm. a it's like a trade-off isn't it do you go to a boutique and buy it, it new and certainly those both boutiques have been tightening up their discounts and certainly on right. a rolex you would never get right. a discount on yeah, a yeah, boutique. yeah some of some of the things to look out for i think you know everybody talks about everybody talks about service costs or like what movements in it and like what movements are good. And I see these like these pop up on on watch forums all the time, you know, like, you know, should I, you know, should I go for this, this sort of thing? And I think an easy way to think about it is if it has a standard Swiss movement that is in hundreds of other watches, stop thinking about service costs. Don't worry about it. Like if it is an ETA 2892 in it, sure whatever like your a watchmaker at the nearest city has parts for that in a drawer 
for sure. Yeah, but it's also sometimes tricky as well to know that, isn't there? Because a lot of right. brands take the ETA and either com- either just rename it and it's a straight ETA, mm-hmm. or they they're heavily they heavily modify the ETA. Hamilton's an right. example. Yeah. Well, I I I think the I think the I think they've done a pretty good job of of letting you know that it's based on. So if you see based on, maybe a good indication that you know that it's that they've they've de- you know you say modified, but like I I think more often it's decorated. So they'll get an ETA movement that is built to their specifications, and they'll put in a rotor that's decorated that says that says Hamilton, that says Bell and Ross, that says et cetera. Uh, but the guts of the, the guts of the, you know, the, the main gear train out of an ETA is, is going to be identical. Um, there are not many companies in the, let's say, 1000 to $5,000 price point that are going to be modifying, you know, that are going to be doing any sort of heavy modification to the gear train. It's going to be, you know, very similar. So that's kind of kind of the first thing. There are some caveats there, and I want to call out Zinn, because Zinn and some of the German tool watches have some technology that they've added to the watch. Zinn in particular has that capsule. Have you seen that on the sides of uh, of some of their new new flight watches yeah so this is the one that shows you whether it's had water ingress in it or not correct yeah it's it's uh it's got it's got some material in it that basically turns blue to let you know that moisture has come into the case the thing about it is that just naturally being exposed to the air and every time you open up the crown and you know a little air gets in there and you you know whatever atmosphere you're at and if you're like Sam in Florida, where it's 970% humidity, over time, that's just going to turn blue. It's just, it's just going to say that there's water in it. So that little capsule is like $300. And then sending it out to be replaced, um, additional shipping, not to mention that this some of the some of the chronographs that have that for Zen are you know couple couple thousand dollars so you're you're insuring a twenty eight hundred dollar watch that you're sending either across the country or across to Germany um, to get them to replace this little capsule because those th- those are types of things that your local watchmaker are not going to have available in a drawer not to scare you off but uh these are these are just sort of some of the things that 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 you can look out for when shopping for used and and thinking about uh things like service costs. Now, Sam, you've had I think you've had a couple watches serviced. You had that Seiko that you sent out, you had the Omega. Yeah, the only two watches I've had one was a service return actually for for Seiko, so it wasn't like a proper okay. service. It, it was okay. I made a whole video on that, but it was actually mm-hmm. um that's when I found out that Seiko's international warranty isn't international. It's international right. and the US. So because right. I'd bought it um from direct from Japan, the US yeah. wouldn't the US service center wouldn't service it, like wouldn't mm. even though it was brand new and well within its warranty. So that's a whole mm. separate topic. But yeah, the um, 
Omega servicing, which I was surprised that it was, I guess, as good value as it was. It was my Omega at the time was, I think I'd owned it for 12 years, and I think it was around about maybe close to 20 years old, I think. It was from mm-hmm. 1996 at the time. Mm-hmm. And the essentially, I'd bought it, I'd bought it knowing that it had never been serviced. It had no service record with it. And I wore mm-hmm. it for 12 years and it was absolutely fine. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up getting it on a time grapher and it was a little bit all over the place. So uh, so a friend of the show, Josh Wolf, who um, Wolf from Wolf Vintage Watch is a little plug for him. He's been on the show before. He told me that really it's about time to get it serviced. Now, in my mind, I thought that there was, whenever I thought about servicing a watch, I thought, okay, you've got to get, they say this about a, a car, don't they? That you've got to get a car regularly serviced to maintain mm-hmm. it. And when you, you take your car in for a service and say you haven't serviced it for a long time and there's fault with it, you're normally playing the service cost plus the parts costs, aren't you? So they're like, oh, your transmission needs replacing or whatever. So I thought that the watch service might be like that. So they're going to service the watch, but then they're going to quote me for any parts that are uh, broken. In fact, that's not what they do. They they essentially just serviced it, replaced all of the parts that needed replacing, with the exception of the clasp, which I did have to mm-hmm. pay for. But all of the internal parts that they replaced, I didn't have to pay for. And that made me rethink about servicing. I don't know if this is just particular to Omega, but it, it made me more confident in owning an Omega because you you when you do get it serviced, they just replace what's broken. So you don't right. have to feel this pressure of, oh, I'm going to have to save up for a service every three to five years. Essentially, you just need to wait for the watch, in my opinion, to just start performing yeah. badly. I have that same view. I have a, having had watches open and, and movements and purchasing pre-owned, et cetera, it's very important to capture like a snapshot of how it's running when you first get it, whether it's new or whether it's, you know, used. I mean, that's, that's always like, that's, that's always the nervous part. When I, when I find a chronograph or a, you know, awesome three hand watch on mechanical watch on eBay, first thing is that's going on a time grapher so I can, so I can capture sort of what's happening. Is it more important to know, not necessarily that the watch is running fast or slow, but it's to do with the the beat error, isn't it? Because a watch, if it's if it's got a very low beat error, that means it's performing correctly, and you could just regulate the 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 fast and the slow out. But it's actually the beat error you're looking for, not if it's the watch is losing or gaining. Right. Yeah. The think of the beat error. The yeah. The beat error or the the uh, the strength of the tick as the watch goes through its movement. So if it's uh you know if it's off in some way the the distance between the tick and the talk and then the amplitude is really the is really the the power that that spring has in it so if completely random example if you have a seiko that has around 300 amplitude that's great because that means that the 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 balance ring is swinging all the way almost 300 degree, you know 300 degrees and coming back um and it shows that there's enough power for that in the drivetrain to be to be wound that much 
And so, I mean, truly, it's a mechanical heartbeat. And it can tell you everything that you need to know about what's going on. So if the drivetrain is all gummed up and the mainspring is worn out and the, the barrel is all covered in crud, well, there's no way when that turns is it going to transmit the correct amount of energy to make the balance back and forth. Um, so for those that don't have a time grapher and they're, you know, and you're new to the hobby, find a local watchmaker that you can, you can just have them check it out and, um, you know, start a conversation. It, it shouldn't be, I don't think it should be a charge. That's, that's how I would expect. And I'm in a sort of metropolitan city area where you would think that if you walked in with a watch that, you know, you'd be charged for it no matter what. Um, much like, much like a car service. Like if you, if you drive into the garage, you're going to be charged for it kind of thing. Uh, but I think, you know, just having some, having a watchmaker, put it on a time grabber and just sort of giving you an evaluation, like, you know, his, his, uh, experience it, it, I found is going to be, you know, it's going to be super helpful in this, in, in a situation like this. Yeah. And if it's, if, if somebody charges you any more than, if somebody charges you anything or it's more than $200 to put it on a time grapher, you can easily buy a time grapher for like 160, yeah. I think a decent one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's a billion YouTube videos on how to sort of understand the results and, and, and what it's, uh, you know, what it's selling you. If it's a nice straight line and you know, it's plus or minus 10 seconds, then your watch is totally fine. If it's a wavy line, if they've got sort of errors, if it's all over the place, then it's, you know, then you're in trouble. Uh, the next, the next big thing is it, you know, waterproof, water resistance, water, water, you know, is anything somewhat used? Are you going to feel confident jumping in the pool with it? And again, the watchmaker, this, this, you know, if you buy something used, this should be just a check. Hey, I just want to check to make sure the seals are good. Everything's closed up. The, the further you get away from what I kind of call the modern era from the, the 1980s, the further away you get from that, you get, you get into watches from the seventies, sixties, fifties, forties. I mean, especially fifties and forties. Um, those watches are not, they were never designed to be completely waterproof. They were, we're talking, you know, at what a day, uh, a, a modern equivalent of like 10 atmospheres. So just, just enough of a feather gasket that was made of natural rubber between the crown and the stem. So all of those natural materials, rubbers and, and oils and stuff, those have since dried up a hundred years, you know. 15 years ago, uh, everything from 1990 on you, you're pretty confident that you're getting like nitrile, synthetic rubbers, uh, synthetic gaskets, synthetic lubricants. So even your Omega from that generation, you know, it, it's, I, I agree. It's a, just wear it until it needs to be 
sent for a repair. Yeah, that's what I always worry about is the seals of the watches because even if the case has been open a few times, even if it's a modern-ish watch, there's still that compression there, isn't it? I think the seals are meant to be... They, they're only as good as, I think, the first time that they're ever compressed, aren't they? I think if you open it up, then you, the, the seals... I If I buy a second uh, used pre-owned watch, uh, that is one of the things that I worry about is whether it's waterproof or not not if it was made in the last 10 years i wouldn't worry about it but if i was buying something from the 80s 90s Mm -hmm. um even early 2000s i would Mm -hmm. and 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 the gaskets are as you get more confident with your watches the gaskets are something that are easily sourced and also you can replace them yourself as you get Mm -hmm. more confident with them i think but uh, well except with the exception of the one in the crown which is tricky to do on your own i think Mm -hmm. the reverse of the Mm -hmm. case is easier yeah, yeah. So nowadays, um, you'll they they you know older watchmakers will have that uh, watch torture device full of water with like a lever that like dunks you know the dunk tank. Um, nowadays, the modern you know modern modern service centers um, never water never touches it. It basically goes under pressure. And then they take a laser and look at the surface of the of the sapphire or the crystal, whether it's poly or sapphire. And so it it looks at the surface of the crystal. And then if the you know, if the watch is taking pressure, that will change. I mean, it it will move glass. I mean, glass is flexible to some to some degree. And so with a laser can measure sort of how how flexible if the if the case is is waterproof so doesn't even have to touch water like i say modern you know take it to uh take it to someone but i think i really think that the value is outstanding i often see 20 to 30% off just for being used so longine Breitling, some some Zin, but that's a little harder because those are not sold directly to like Macy's here in the United States. Um, Omega, uh, uh, maybe maybe less, you know, a little more hold their value a little more. But I would I would say a good a good rule of thumb would be maybe it would be a thirty a thirty percent of taking a. So you went and bought, you know, three thousand dollar, three thousand dollar watch. Yeah, and I'd say certainly with those brands that you mentioned as well, like Breitling, Omega, especially. I know I always flirt with the idea of buying an Aquaterra at one time, mm-hmm. at, at some time, and I know that you can get very good pre-owned prices on them. But I always think a good idea is to also look on the gray market so like joma shop for example for mm-hmm. a breitling or for an omega and the reason being even if it's just to compare prices because with a pre-owned watch unless you're getting it from like crown and caliber or bob's watches or one of those other where they offer a warranty with the watch mm-hmm. and you will pay a little bit more that if you're buying it off some of the sites that don't offer a, a warranty with them because it's pre-owned then, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the gray market, they don't offer the manufacturer's warranty. They'll offer their own warranty with it. But, you know, you, you're rolling the dice anyway if you're buying pre-owned on whether it has a warranty or not. So you might as well look at that because you might be surprised 
with the mm-hmm. difference that the gray market sometimes is even better yeah. than pre-owned. Yeah. And 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 at this point, if you're in this part of the show and in this in this uh, in this episode, uh, you probably have heard of gray market. And so the the quick summary is just just about every retail sales uh organization that that has fashion type items at some point needs to move through stock so that they need to get rid of the stuff that hasn't been selling and get new stock into the store this is the same way with t-shirts and you know fashion as it is with as it is with watches so those watches then go off to another seller that are heavily discounted the manufacturer just you know pretends that it didn't happen but it's very much a part of the ecosystem of 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 how this all works so i was saying uh if you you know you start with a something that was msrp of $3000 and used i would expect to be $2100 to start looking for for that for that price uh, depending on brand again depending on a lot of factors and I've seen fifteen, at least fifteen, twenty percent on gray market stuff. So you know, good to good to check out. I think it is, if you can, I always think you should buy a new one versus a used one, if you can. So if I was looking for a Super Ocean Two. Uh, which Sam and I have had our eye on and just, I just saw another video on it and I'm like, <laughs> maybe I'm back. Maybe I will redeem my diver watch character in 2022. Um, if you, you know, if you, if you take a look at those prices of, of, of retail, you know, and, and what, what the difference is, um, you know, 15, 20% definitely can be had. Uh, for something like that, what's nice with the Breitling is the they're all chronometer certified, so the, I I think like your your base is even better. Like you're getting a much you know it's it's been touched, it's been regulated, it's 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 super accurate. Um, so I would expect a a worn one or a used one. Uh, to still be totally fine in you know five plus years, even if it was five six years old, I would expect it to come in totally fine. Yeah, exactly. So shopping for used watches, you know, can be can can be scary, but I think the amount of money that you can save, and like I said, if you just if you just go do do a little bit of research and maybe go with something a little more modern. If you're looking at anything newer than like 1990, I think you're totally safe to do this. Um, it's a, a, and anything with a with a standard movement that they made millions of, I think you're I think you're in much better shape. You don't have to fret about service costs. And for me, the the switch is anything pre 1980 and anything that was like a delicate dress watch. So any of the early Omegas, like the 1960s Omegas, are gorgeous. Like I'd love to have a 60s Omega Seamaster, but just I mean the the who knows? Uh, you know you'd have to really do your research, really dig into to what's inside that, really send it off to have a service. Just in summary, here it might be worth talking about the we've talked about 
the positives and you know queries around buying pre-owned watches it might be interesting to talk about like the different places versus the risk versus reward for buying from different places i would say so mm-hmm. i know certainly i think the most the the most in my mind the most risk and i mean for new collectors here because for mm-hmm. seasoned collectors you certainly find your way around but i would say I don't know about you, Chris, but I would say the one that's the biggest risk, but is the biggest reward. So you're taking the biggest risk, but you're probably going to get the best deal is to go on forums and Mm. search for watches because it just involves doing a lot more research, who you're buying it off, Mm -hmm. what type of forum it is, and so on. That's one way you really have to educate yourself. The payoff, obviously, is that you're going to get probably the best deal of anywhere is on a forum right right um the other risk depending on cost is well i mean the riskiest i would say is fa- is something like facebook marketplace but yeah yeah, yeah. If, for, if, for most things for most things but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that because we've never talked about facebook marketplace before or craigslist is another one i would say is, is quite mm-hmm. a risk but um ebay i would say is is a risk for anything that's less than two thousand dollars because again you have to do your research but anything above two thousand dollars you get that authenticity guarantee which still shoulders some risk with it i would say Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they're guaranteeing that the watch is authentic to what the model and the brand is it's not a counterfeit watch but they are not authenticating does the watch right. work or right, right. Is, does is it, it keep good time yeah are the seals good yeah exactly and to your point with with on forums those forum sellers are not you they, they are saving money because they're not paying any of the listing fees over on ebay and they're brutal and then the listing fees over on a chrono 24 and the and the you know and i and as you get maybe into the top of the four or five thousand dollar range, then it becomes more important that it's a it's a verified seller that the watch has been verified that it's that it's you know that you've got an escrow to like handle your money and you maybe get into a Chrono Twenty Four. Yeah, that, yeah, I, I would say. Next up the list from eBay is Chrono24. The advantages mm-hmm. over eBay are that there's escrow. It's The money is held in an escrow, so you actually get hands on the watch yourself before mm-hmm. the money is released and you confirm it. But they don't, they're not a middleman. They're not helping you out as a new seller to verify mm-hmm. it. The other thing as well I would say is an advantage of Chrono24, and there's, there's other ones around this, and Chronex and a, f- a few others, is where you can actually see feedback from other buyers that, and they're all watch related. Whereas eBay, Mm -hmm. you can obviously, I mean, I've got a thousand feedback, but probably only 50 of that is, well, probably much less, only 20 is actually from watch sales. I mean, you'll see feedback from me selling, uh, you know, comic books and all sorts of stuff. So, and then, and then you're, you, you, you kind of less risk, but always is going to be more expensive is the likes of um, Bob's Watches, mm-hmm. Crown and Caliber, where mm-hmm. they're actually physically taking the watch in themselves. Mm-hmm. They're inspecting it. They're mm-hmm. making sure it runs properly. And then they're offering their own guarantee with it as well, typically a year guarantee or whatever. So even yeah. though you are paying a little, well, you're paying, you're paying more for the watch for right. sure than what right. you would 
what you would find on eBay, but you've got that peace of mind as a yeah. new watch collector. You're it, assuming less of the risk. And I find, again, in, in the price point of, the, of, you know, in this like maybe $1,000 to $3,000 price point, I find that once you get up into a boutique reseller like a Bob's Watches or someone who's like gone over the gone over the movement, gone over the watch, just done a service, it's listed. Um, when you get to that with any of the modern watches, you're you're almost at the price of a new one. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, yeah. So I mean, I've seen some, you know, uh, I've seen some. Uh, some brands and some watches sort of hit that. And if the delta between a certified pre-owned immaculate condition, we confirmed it, it's it's on sale, they'll escrow your money, and it's a safe transaction. Well, that all costs money. And so if the delta between that and a brand new one, in again, in that price point is, I don't know, maybe four or $500, I'd just go get a new one. I just go down and have the AD experience and, you know, and say, you know, hey, I'm just going to pick up a new one. And and you'd be surprised if, uh, you know, I mean, it can't hurt to ask to get uh, a few dollars off uh, even in, even in a new one. Well, that's been a really interesting discussion. So we've covered there, especially going into the new year when people are thinking about pre-owned watches, mm-hmm. kind of some of the mm-hmm. things around servicing, some of the things to look out for and perhaps areas where we've had experience of buying and selling watches so i think that's a Mm -hmm. that's been a pretty interesting discussion and let us know in the comments section down below um or over on the discord if you've got any questions about that happy new year to everyone and we will see you next time on casual watch talk thanks guys bye